Whether you suffer from depression, anxiety, feel stuck, or lack motivation, it all starts in the mind. We're on a quest to help us break through life's most challenging obstacles. No matter who we are or what we hope to achieve, clarity, joy, and self-love will help us lead the way. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Mind Reboot Program and Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jenny Rook of the Institute for Therapy Through the Arts. Um, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, this is my pleasure, and I'm excited just because, uh, yeah, mental health is so important, and uh, you're doing really, really good things at the ITA. Thank you. But uh, tell me a little bit about it, just because uh, I'm, I'm so intrigued by it, and I think it's something um, not a lot of people are aware of, right? Uh, the therapy through the arts. Tell, tell me a little bit about um, what you do and then uh, what the organization does as a whole. Yeah, well, um, you're right. A lot of people don't know about our work. So creative arts therapies for our organization, that means music, art, drama, and dance movement therapy. And you can think about those therapies as sort of an alternative to counseling or other forms of psychotherapy where you sit down with a professional, you're talking about your problems and trying to find solutions. With us, it's really experiential work. So you're creating, you're making music, you're writing songs, um, you're engaging in some story creation, some role play, um, obviously, dance movement is involving the body, um, and then we have art therapy. We're using a lot of different materials. So um, what we know about the brain and the body is that they're very connected, and it's important to engage them both in the therapy process. And when we bring the arts into therapy, you have another way of expressing yourself. So you don't have to sit and tell your story. Um, you don't have to put your thoughts and your feelings into words. You can actually do that through the arts. And then your therapist has the training to really understand what you're trying to say through the arts and can communicate with you and then find some ways to use the arts to help you develop some coping tools um, to learn new skills if that's something you're working on um, and we've seen some really great results with this type of therapy that's pretty amazing so you know at what point um someone's listening right that uh, does someone engage with ITA like at what point is it in my life that I'm going through something is it you know that I have a learning disability is it all of the above you know tell me yeah. ideally who, who, who are the type of pay, uh, clients that you're seeing yeah I mean really anybody who's open to engaging in something a little bit different right so they don't want to just sit and talk about their problems or maybe they don't have the capacity so like you said maybe somebody with a disability who doesn't have their full capacity to speak and to express themselves through words um, so we see people with autism um, we see people who have Alzheimer's who have suffered a stroke so sometimes language is limited. For other people with more of a mental health condition, um, sometimes it's painful and actually traumatic to talk about the things that you're, you've experienced in your past or feelings, um, and it's not easy to do. We also see a lot of adolescents where you know sitting in a chair and talking to somebody is just not something they're willing to do, no matter how much pain they're in. Um, so again, when we bring the arts into the therapy, um, this is really for people, maybe they've tried therapy before and they just haven't felt like the traditional approach was really effective for them. They want to be more physically active in their session. You know, like I said, they want to use more of their brain and their body. Um, or it's just not something they're going to really be able to do is to articulate themselves that way. So um, in my work, I've, I've worked a lot with people who have communication disorders. So people who've had stroke um, and are rehabilitating their speech. Um, and we actually have music-based protocols that can help them actually reprogram their brain to learn how to talk in a different way. Um, I've worked a lot with also children who have autism 
who also have limited communication. But when music is involved, a lot of times they can sing, they can learn information through song to help them learn different life skills. Um, but we've actually had greater results um, getting them to increase the sentences you know, that they speak so their sentences are longer and they um, can produce speech sounds that maybe they had trouble you know, speaking before. So, um, so in the disabilities community, but also in the mental health community, um, we just see the arts as really powerful, accessible tools. And our therapists are really trained to adapt those experiences. So you don't have to be an artist or a musician or anything like that to participate. Um, we can meet you, get to know you, see which one we think is going to be the best fit, and then figure out the right plan for you and, and how the arts are going to be used in your treatment. That's awesome. And that's one of the questions I was actually going to ask. Because you're, you're not looking for people who are already proficient in the arts, right? You're using art as a form of therapy. Right, right. And sometimes when we have artists or musicians that come in or actors or, you know, dancers, the art form that they're most comfortable with is not actually the best fit for them in therapy. So picture like that skilled classical pianist somewhat perfectionistic probably right that's how we're trained as musicians to really be critical of our own work sure. so when a music therapist encourages you to sit at an instrument and kind of express what you're feeling maybe on the drums or the piano um, or an instrument you're not that familiar with you might be a little more loose and relaxed and willing to just kind of explore with sound and see kind of what sounds resonate with you right and that's yeah. that's maybe like a step one early in the therapy process just to start you getting accustomed using the arts to express yourselves For sure. but when we're trained in that and in that instrument you know, we're a little more inhibited sometimes. And so the same with visual artists. They're going to probably criticize the work that they're creating on paper more than a non-artist would. So we meet every client um, before they come to us for therapy. We have what we call an intake session. So they come and they actually try these four therapies. They kind of try experiences that they might actually use in the therapy session or they decline it they say no i'm really not comfortable doing that i'm not going to do that today um, and then we'll observe how they interact with that art form um, and then what research tells us about that art form and the condition that they're coming in with so how evidence-based is this approach going to be for them so we, we think about that as well um, and then determine kind of which setting we think is going to be the most effective should they do an individual therapy session should this be couples should it be family should it be um, a group therapy session um, and then match them up with a therapist that also has training working with the issues that they're coming in with. So it's a really personalized approach when it comes to just selecting the therapy that they're going to receive. And then obviously their treatment plan is also very individualized as well. For sure. No. And, you know, as I'm hearing this, it almost seems like that, yeah, you're using art as a form of therapy. But if that is true, then it almost seems that art should be a part of almost like a healthy lifestyle, right? That right. the arts are so important that um, I think yesteryears, we appreciated it a little more than I think we do now, as, as you see that some of the funding in schools and whatnot has um, either diminished or, or you know completely gone away. But you know, if people are listening, I guess, what can one incorporate in the form of the arts? Like, you know, I'm, I'm hearing that, but I'm not an artist or, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't know even where to begin. You know, what's an approach that people can take if they don't have access to necessarily call you or, or in the Chicagoland area, but that can say, um, you know, I, I want to try something or, or help me with, you know, something that I'm either going through, suffering. Yeah. But like, where, where can someone start? Yeah. I mean, that's such a big question, but because yeah, again, yeah. it's so individualized, but Start with what feels good. I know it sounds simple, but you know, um, when in music therapy, I'm a music therapist, so I'll speak a lot about musical examples, yeah, yeah. but um, you know, in music therapy, we always use music that's preferred, unless there's a reason not to for something specific, like but for the like, most right? time, like, yeah, yeah, what you like, what you grew up with, you know, what's a part of your culture. 
Um, you know, usually that's that's kind of rule number one. Um, but also think about the power of creation. You know, consuming something is very different than creating it. So listening to music can have a lot of benefits. Looking at art, watching a movie can be nice, right? Sure. But you're going to engage more of the brain and you're going to have probably a better experience when it comes to how you feel if you're actually creating something. Absolutely. Also think about how much we keep inside ourselves that we don't release, right? So like physical exercise feels good. We get to release a lot of stress, right? But also endorphins are released and things like that. So think about moving to music and dancing. No one has to see you do it. You know, Absolutely. you can do it in your kitchen or, you know, whatever. Um, but creating art and um, making things, maybe it's scrapbooking, maybe it's writing, journaling, um, whatever you can do to really get out what's inside. It doesn't have to be beautiful. We don't care about the finished product in, in creative arts therapy. It's really all about the process. Um, expressing yourself, learning new things about yourself through the arts, um, and then using these arts to really help you to feel better and to develop some healthy lifestyle habits, some routines, some coping skills. Um, so a lot of what we do is going to help people bake the arts kind of into their daily life more often because you're right, we used to do this. Humans used to use the right. arts all the time. Arts and medicine were very closely linked and then they split, right? So um, so definitely we're starting to see it come back more, which is really good. But we have to really appreciate we're creative beings. We're driven to create. And so it's really important for us to use that form of expression whenever we can. For sure. No. And so, so what do you do in those situations where um, because you're so focused and like you said, even for you, music is, is that focus in terms of the arts. But um, when when you see someone come in and, you know, you're helping them using art as a form of therapy, but you notice that and, and other aspects of their life, it's not so healthy, whether it be food or lack mm. of exercise. You know, how, how does that come up or how does, um, how do you approach that? Yeah. Well, think about that. You know, our mental health can sometimes be underneath everything, right? You know, sometimes we minimize that, that our, our mental health and our well-being can be the reason why we have unhealthy habits and routines in our lives, whether it's substance use or eating habits or things like that. So um, in therapy, ultimately, you're trying to get at what's underneath, right? We're really trying to make sure that you're functioning in a healthy way, that you're living the life that you want to, that you feel good, right? And we're not masking problems with other problems. Um, so hopefully throughout the process, we're getting at that, you know, kind of indirectly so that hopefully these healthy habits kind of spill and domino into more healthy habits. Um, but we also look at the arts sometimes to replace unhealthy behaviors, if you will, or unhealthy habits. So um, sometimes when our therapists are working with um, people who have substance use issues, it's about finding pleasure in something else, yeah. right? Rather than that substance that you've relied on. It's but avoid. Yeah, can right. you um, produce similar neurochemicals that, you, that your brain did when you were using? Um, and can you find peace and comfort and um, relief, right, in, in an arts experience? Yeah, and can you speak a little to that? And not, not, not to get too too in depth in it, but from the science perspective of it, um, you know, because <clears throat> yeah, it is. Why are some people drawn to be more addictive in certain things or have that? Mm -hmm. But then, you know, they find something they're passionate about, and it's like they put that same addiction or energy mm -hmm. towards that. Right? What is there? Is there something particular that's happening in the brain that you're going after when you're when you're using art as a form of therapy? I mean, is it is it beyond just endorphins and dopamine? Yeah, if, yeah. There's so much that's happening in the brain, but in, dopamine is a, is a huge key player, right? Oxytocin is another one, one of those really good feel-good neurochemicals that's produced um, that makes us, you know, have that sense of relationship and closeness and love. 
Um, so yes, yeah, so we see a lot of great um, reactions. You know, I'm, I'm talking about four different art forms, so they're all very different in the way that um, your brain is engaged in the process. Um, but there is a lot of overlap too. And so you're saying they each have their own benefit, right? Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, wow. Mm-hmm. And then, and then with. You know, talking about how it was before and, uh, you know, people or how uh, medicine or, or, you know, was so closely linked to the arts that um, how do you balance that today with screen time? Mm. That so much of what people call the arts today is digital art. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, even what we're doing here on some level, there's an art to it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you balance that between screen time and, and, and maintaining that that mental health and before we even get into the social media aspect of things but just that form of art in front of the screen versus say you know uh, just a different medium i guess yeah i mean everything in moderation right i don't think we can completely avoid the screens we're doing most of our therapy virtually right now because of covid sure, right? Yeah, right so it's right. therapy through telehealth so thank goodness there's apps and different technology that we can use so our clients can actually draw on their screens and they can make music over the computer um, but, you know, we're not going to have the same neurological benefit as we do with the, the face-to-face in-person communication. Um, we know that's really important. We're social beings, and we're seeing this devastating impact of COVID on us because we are social beings, and we're not used to being in isolation like this. So connecting through the screen, on social media, through Zoom, it's really not enough yeah. for us, right? Yeah. So I think the pandemic is a great example of we're so grateful we have technology, yet we really need physical contact, right? That's really important. We need to be in the same space with people. Um, We've seen a lot of, I think Zoom fatigue is really interesting (laughs) too, right? When we see how our brains are working so much harder to process those social cues over the computer than they do when you see a three-dimensional being in front of you and you can see more, you know, than just the shoulders up. Um, So it's been kind of exhausting for people too to be in front of the screens this much. So um, I think it's just a delicate balance. We're going to come out of this and, you know, use screens in hopefully a more healthy way when we want to versus when we have to um, and making sure that we're moderating how much time we're creating using something digital and how much time we're with people. But also think about arts experiences in groups, right? Why are we drawn to choirs and community theaters and bands and, you know, um, art community art classes, right? So that we can be with people creating our art. And I'd say that's that's something I really miss personally is I used to sing in choirs in college, right? And it's such a different experience than when you're making music by yourself. No, you're absolutely right. It is, it's a community-based experience. We need each mm-hmm. other because what is an artist without an audience or you yeah. know, without someone to, to see the art or to go to a museum, right? It's all it, it, it's all relationship. We're all, we're all in relationship with mm-hmm. that. And so, you know, I, I think you made some really, really, really you know, great points and I guess you know going into then the the social media part of it, right? Mm. It's such a prevalent thing, and we're seeing that, uh, like we were just talking about before uh, we jumped on, is that the, the the level of comparison that that's going on, the judgment, right, of someone else is doing it better, has more, uh, whatever, just has a better life, is creating a sense of anxiety in people who consume that. Mm. From an artist's perspective, you have to be aware of that, and in, in, in terms of you know, your, maybe your progress as an artist or comparing yourself to others. You know, how is social media or, or how have you had to pivot because of social media in the work that you're doing Yeah, um, yeah, w- w- with art? Yeah, I think, like I said, for us, because we're not so product-driven in, in our organization, it's really about therapy and the process of therapy. So there's not a lot of art that we're putting out there on see, social media, right? We're putting out a lot of self-help resources and tools and um, with... I think social media growing, 
there are more people looking to help themselves, right? So because there's a lot you can uh, go watch a YouTube video and learn how to do something, right? This is how my husband fixes things around the house, (laughs) right? You go on YouTube and watch a video. Um, So we are seeing more of this kind of like self-help DIY generation. Um, And so I think we're trying to think more about um, when do you need therapy? When are there things that you can do on your own to help yourself? And how can we put out resources so that um, you have access to some of these things, you know? Yeah. Um, and I guess the question I more was, you know, not to say that I didn't answer my question. I appreciate mm-hmm. that is, um, you know, if, if when your student or your, your clients are creating this this art and now they're comparing themselves to mm. other artists right yeah. is that is that a thing is that something that you or is it really just seen as a therapy that look you're not trying to really achieve uh, a result you're not trying to be the best at anything yeah this is really it's about appreciating the journey it's about appreciating the the creation of it it seems like more to me but you know does does that ever present a challenge yeah um, i mean sure we i'd say less than that's not the majority of our clients um because it's you know, imagine if someone recorded your therapy session, right? And it was word for word. Right. Would you want to put that on social media? It's very personal, right? Right, right? So let's say you write a song in your music therapy session or you create a piece of art in your therapy session. It has that same, for most of our clients, it has that same personal feeling to it, right? So sometimes you don't want people to see that because there's pain in there or there's very personal things that you revealed about yourself. Um, but there are times where clients are really proud of what they've created. They identify new strengths in our therapies, and they do want to show, um, you know, p- other people what they've done. So we ha- I have had that before. I've had clients kind of put their artwork out on social media, and other people are criticizing it. And that becomes really challenging because you want your clients to have their own sense of evaluation inside of them, right? They don't. We don't want them to internalize others evaluation of them well that fear of judgment right yeah. i mean it's, it's a very real thing mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um so tell me about like i guess your life personally in terms of how you maintain a a healthy uh you know lifestyle but also the, the mental health and physical emotional yeah spiritual what you know what kind of routine what uh, what do you prescribe to that that works for you? It's funny because I think, you know, so music has always been a part of my life. I was um, always writing songs as a teenager. Oh, no I think even as a young child, I was on the swing set, you know, just kind of making up songs that came to mind. Um, I would watch the Disney movies and then go home and make my siblings reenact them with me. You know, it's always very um, musical. Um, and now I think having the luxury of working for an organization with all these different art forms and learning from these professionals, I have so much integrated into my daily, I would say my week, you know, every art form is there. Yeah. So maybe start my morning dancing in the kitchen while Alexa's playing Moana with my kids, right? <laughs> that's that's a morning routine that we have. No way. Um, but that's playing, weird. you know, you get involved in theater and dramatic play with when you have kids. I think that's, you know, we just let ourselves go there the way we used to when we were children. And that's really fun. Um, but obviously still really drawn to music, um, not creating as much, but I'd say consuming more, but picking the right music for the right situations too, you know? So what's the workout music that I choose? That's really intentional versus what's the music I'm listening to and I'm trying to relax, you know? Um, and really just being mindful about that. For sure. Also not oversaturating yourself. Sometimes I have to turn the radio off, right? <laughs> just be like, I'm done. I need some quiet. Yeah. Um, so having that balance. But I think even for me, someone who's kind of um, surrounded by the arts every day, I forget to use them sometimes, you know? And I'll all of a sudden put on music and I'm like, oh, God, this feels better. Why didn't I do this hours ago? Yeah, you know, sure, it's like sure. this 
this should be a no-brainer for me. <laughs> but, it, but it seems like you're, you're being very deliberate, though. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and what about the other parts of your life? Like you mentioned uh, working out. Like, mm-hmm. well, I guess what, what uh, you seem very fit. So, mm-hmm. you know, what, what type of workout routine do you have? And, you know, what, what exercises are you doing? Uh, yoga. I trained oh, as a nice. yoga teacher. I don't teach, but it was a really great experience to, you know, kind of go more in depth with that. Um, but I think also, too, that speaks to like that movement and even just creating my own yoga routines is creative and expressive, too, right? So just yeah. kind of moving the way my body feels like it needs to move in that moment. Um, I hope trying to get back into running, that's something I did before kids. That's been harder. Yeah. But, you know, um, but picking that music, that's really going to give you that momentum and um, thinking about the pace of your movement and when you kind of ramp that up and slow it down, you know, our bodies. Um, I won't get too scientific on you, but our bodies and our brains will naturally (laughs) entrain to an external beat. Um, So the pulse of the music that you're listening to is really important because it could actually influence the rate that you're breathing with and your heart rate as well. Um, So it's really important when you feel like that, you know, disconnect in your workout and your music. It might be because the beat of the music isn't really resonating with you physiologically. Um, and it can cause that dissonance or that stress, and it can make your workout even harder, you know? So, I, oh, I definitely heard that before yeah. in terms of the music that you're listening to and how it affects the, the rhythm of your heart. I didn't realize the impact it would have when you're working out. Yeah. So explain that to me a little bit in terms of what you should be, I guess, listening to that, that works for you. Like, yeah. is there a type of music that you should not be listening to? No, totally go with your preference, right? Like, listen to music that you enjoy, that especially everyone has a different emotional response to music, and that's based on your past experience that's based on your culture you know that's based on so many things there's um there's some research out there that will show some uniformity in the way that we emotionally react to the same music um, but most of the time it's very personal so go with that music that you like but um you know think about where you want your heart rate to be really and then think about how fast or slow that music is um you don't want to go too fast you want to warm up you probably want to start slow you probably want to build up right and get some music that's a little faster a little louder um, to support that um, more of that effort and that exertion that you're going to engage in at like the that peak point of your workout. For sure, for sure. Um, what about diet? What uh, what kind of diet do you prescribe to? I mean, personally, I I eat vegetarian. Oh, um, do you? Since I was 12. So, oh no way! Yeah, it's just a way of life for me. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's just something that your parents uh, had in the house, or my mom was a vegetarian actually. Yeah, so oh. it made it easier. Mm-hmm. Now, w- w- when you so as you know, obviously you make life choices, but do you ever share that with your clients as far as, you know, just what works for you and, and yeah. maybe habits that they could adopt? Sometimes, yeah. I think we're, as therapists, we're really careful about how much we tell our clients. Um, you don't want your client to get into a comparison, you know, yeah, situation yeah, with you. Yeah. So the positives and the negatives. I also don't want to share too much about my pain because I don't want them ever to be in a position where right, they have to no. take care of me, totally right? So that. if I say, oh, I lost a person too during COVID. That was really hard for me. You know, I don't ever want them to be in that position where they're worried about me, right? Um, so there's always this like delicate balance, but at the same time, you want your clients to know you're human as well, yeah. you know? Um, and every day is hard and every day is a struggle with our mental health, right? Even if you know all of these things and um, you've got good tools in place, it's, I think we need to spend as much time thinking about our mental health as we do our physical health. Um, and our, you know, and medically how we're doing, um, because it's, 
it's probably the thing that's most affected by day-to-day situations, right? Our stress response kicks on way too much. It needs to be mediated. Um, but we kind of just succumb to that and say, well, that's just how it is. I get stressed out in traffic or I get you know, stressed out in line for groceries or whatever it is. Um, so if we kind of could all pay a little more attention and be more proactive, you know, just imagine how much better we could function. And that, I think, is a daily challenge for all of us. A hundred percent. No, and, and honestly, that's the big reason we call this not only the, you know, a podcast, but a program, because everyone subscribes to some sort of program, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you have, it's by design or whether it's just by default that sometimes it's our own ignorance, right? But that ultimately we, we are on a program and the program really does dictate how we feel. And if we just incorporated some healthier habits, sometimes it could really change yeah. um, our, our, you know, our, out, our outlook on life, right? That you don't have to experience life in a negative way or you know that you you can see the beauty in it right you don't have to have pain as part of your life and there are things that you can do and so you know i appreciate you not only for what you do in 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 um in the arts as far as therapy uh with your clients but also for sharing things that that you do in your own life that really um obviously are very healthy habits but but that you know that are examples for people to follow and that we can lead much healthier happier lives yeah yeah so is there anything that, um, you know, that anyone, anyone listening as far as just who should be contacting um, the ITA? Yeah. Like I said before, it's it's really anybody. Our spectrum of clients ranges from children to older adults, ages 2 to 101. This is typically the age range that we're serving. Um, anywhere from people with disabilities um, and issues related to their development, um, disabilities because they've had a brain injury or a stroke, um, Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's. Um, and then a lot of our clients fall under the umbrella of what we say mental health. So it could be people that are just struggling with some anxiety that could be a normal level of anxiety, but they want to do better. Um, and then we've had people who've had some very serious trauma histories um, who are working with us to um, recover from that. Um, so we have a really broadly trained staff. We have a large group of therapists. So um, we feel like there's something for everyone. And if there's not, we'll find a good fit for mm-hmm. you somewhere else. Um, but we're happy to help. We're based in Evanston. Um, we see a lot of clients in Chicago and are hoping to open a Chicago location within the next year and also have a small space in Highland Park. But a lot of our work is done on um, is v- done virtually right now because of the pandemic. Yeah. So we are doing some in-person therapy, um, but with telehealth, we can reach kind of a wide geography. So we're happy to, to try to work with anyone who, who wants to work with us. And we do have a sliding scale available. So um, we don't like to turn any clients away for financial hardship, so um, there's always an affordable option with us too. Oh, that's pretty incredible. So thank you, thank you again for sharing, uh, for doing what you do, and look forward to all these big things happening for you and for ITA. Thank you. <laughs>